Today's episode is supported by the HBO original special Between the World and Me, premiering this Saturday, November 21st at 8 p.m. on HBO Max. I love you, and I love the world, and I love it more with every new inch I discover. You are a black boy. You cannot forget how much they took from us. How they transfigured our very bodies into sugar, tobacco, cotton, and gold. It's bigger than black and white. Based on the eponymous stage play and book by Tanahasi Coates, the special explores the struggle and beauty of being black in America with an all-star cast. Don't miss the HBO original Between the World and Me, premiering this Saturday, November 21st at 8 p.m. on HBO Max. Welcome back. Welcome back, y'all. I'm Jahan Jones. It's your girl, Taryn Finley. And it's your boy, Shaquille Rombley. Y'all, 2020 has put her foot in it. And I'm not talking the good put your foot in it. (laughs) (laughs) Jahan, we got a pandemic. We've lost legends. We've seen Black people killed by law enforcement all over the media. And of course, Trump is still crazy as shit. You know that. The new cycle is rocking my world. And I'm not talking Michael Jackson rock my world. There's been some joy, but there's been a lot of grief and a lot of sadness. So we think it's only appropriate to talk mental health. It's been a whirlwind for me, and I'm going a little... It's just been a lot for me. It's been a lot. John, how you doing? Well, you know I'm an audiophile. Like, I love, love, love music. I love making music. I love immersing myself in it. On my IG throughout the quarantine, I've been playing this game, Quarantunes, where I'll play an old-school sample and, you know, have, like, people guess what modern song uh, incorporates it, you know? So I'm trying to, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to just immerse myself in that. I've been listening to a ton of music and just spending a lot of time, like, in my own thoughts. I love taking bike rides throughout the city and just putting my headphones in and listening to all sorts of things. I've been listening to Griselda and some samba, you know, some some gospel every so often. Yeah, you got to have some range, you know? So what you what you been listening to? I listen to what I call <laughs> bad bitch music. Okay, for the song. Excuse my language, but what I mean by bad bitch music is I love to go to the gym because how I'm taking care of my mental health is people think the gym is just a physical thing, but to me, it's a mental, spiritual, and physical thing. You know, okay, it's okay. challenging yourself, it's competing with yourself. So yes. when I'm in the gym, I don't need to be hearing Sarah McLaughlin in the arms of the <laughs> Okay, what you doing? <laughs> I'm to? listening to Shensia, who's a dance hall artist, Popcon, Pop Popcon. Smoke, of course, from the floor. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the party. <laughs> all of that, all that. Yeah. But sometimes I take it back to what, like 2013, 2012 with Pop That French Montana. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's taking me back to my college days. Yeah. I can, I can, I can smell the alcohol in the air right now. <laughs> I can definitely smell it. No, I, you know, even throughout this period, I've been listening to some of those uh, classic relaxing artists. You know, you got to have like a shot day. People who can who can really set the mood for you when you need it to be real mellow and low key. So I've been, you know, getting getting the range in. I listen to Solange for that. I mean, there's to me, ride down Bedsty Brooklyn and play Fubu. <laughs> there's nothing like it. Like I can't even describe the feeling. Like just being in the blackest neighborhood in Brooklyn and looking at the brownstone, seeing black excellence, and just hearing music that's for you and your soul. Right. Music really is that thing that I think so many people have been latching on to during this period. You've seen 
virtual concerts and you've seen, you know, music competitions online. I think that's been one of the main constants is that people know that they're relying on that, that just audio enjoyment during this period, especially when you're in solitude. Exactly, exactly. And um, for me, what I've been doing a lot is taking advantage of the digital world. So I have fallen even more in love with yoga, something that I wasn't really, really in love with before the quarantine, mm. but being stuck at home and only having access to a mat, like it's been really, really good because now I'm using yoga as a tool to kind of improve my spiritual health. But also I do strength-based yoga. So I'll be lifting, planking okay, all yeah, the time. Yeah. You're getting right. You're getting <laughs> Get it right. Because right. yeah. I'm going to have a summer 2021. I'll tell you that much. I'm going to have that. I feel you. No, I've been uh, trying to practice my yoga thing over here as well. You know, shout out to, shout out to Yoga with Adrian on YouTube. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, Getting my shavasanas together, get my pigeon pose together. You know, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. The music, the yoga, all that. Tail pose, downward dog. All oh that. You know, trying to come out of this quarantine limber. And you know, as black men, mental health is something that I feel like as a black man, I have not always had the liberty to discuss openly mm -hmm. because I've been told to go to church. I've been told to pray it away. I've been told that, you know, when when dealing with mental health, you have to go the spiritual route. So as a black man, like how have you engaged with healthy self-care practices that, you know, sometimes are demonized for us because we're not supposed to be seen as having mental health issues. We're all supposed to be strong and tough and big. Got you. Well, see, I've actually been very fortunate because although I wasn't raised in a particularly religious environment, my household was very spiritual. My parents definitely instilled in me and especially my dad as a man, like instilled in me the ways I can go about like protecting my mental health. Um, and like both of my parents taught me self-love at a really early age and like how to be comfortable in solitude. So even during this period, um, although I have been alone, like my mind has been active and I haven't really felt um, downtrodden. I really do have to credit my parents for that. You know, like, like you said, I think for a lot of black men, like we are uh, discouraged from having conversations about our own mental wellness. But I, I can say I've been very privileged, very blessed to be raised in an environment where that kind of stuff was um, was really valued. I respect that so much because for me, I, I don't have that privilege. And I, I'm, I'm inspired to hear that because you really mm. don't meet many black men who have that foundation of parents teaching about self-love, appreciating yourself, appreciating solitude. I have to mm. learn all that shit from Yanla, you know, and, and over and yeah. <laughs> Like people yeah, think yeah. it's a joke, but me, I, to, to learn even about my mental health and to even feel comfortable taking the steps to go to therapy, I had to go through a breakup and then going through a breakup, somebody was like, read Yanla. I'm, like, I'm not reading that shit. Like, Yanla, yeah. who the hell is Yanla? Yeah. But <laughs> that book yeah. was the foundation for me to learn about self-love and for me to learn about solitude and for me to learn that it's okay to not be okay all the time. Right, right. And that, look, to your point, that's kind of what I was trying to say as well is even, I'm not at all suggesting that I don't feel worry or I don't feel anxiety during this period. I definitely do, but at least thus far, I've been uh, handling it pretty well and at least trying to apply it to productive things. So that's kind of how I've been coping with the with the quarantine. What about you? What you been what you been building? What you been working on during this period? 
that's a good i'm working on a youtube channel i'm okay. working on resurrecting it from the dead because we tried it we tried it came in a way we love that <laughs> we love that <laughs> because the beautiful thing about this time it has taught me to kind of focus on passion projects and to kind yes. of like, i think all of us have abandoned things that we cared about mm -hmm. like, before the quarantine but now quarantine is like you have to sit with yourself so what do you need to do for you so that's what i've been thinking about yeah I really hope that this period has inspired a lot of people to practice uh, what I'll call healthy selfishness. You know, like we're all right now taking care of ourselves and like making sure that we can live to see the next day. But I think that's such a bare minimum thing. Like you don't just have to consider your your mortality, but your wellness beyond that, like your mental wellness. How are you like now that we've lived to see the next day? How enjoyable is that next day? How fruitful is it? And I think people can do a lot more to like practice, you know, that self-awareness, that self-care. Yeah. Even after the pandemic. Yeah. And I mean, I'm I, I really appreciate what G Herbo is doing because when you think about wellness, when when I was going to school, we did not have conversations about wellness, meditation. Like there's some schools right, now right. when kids act up, they go to meditation. Me, it mm -hmm. was suspension, or I'm gonna call your mama. Talk to us a little bit about what G Herbo's doing. Well, yeah, if y'all aren't familiar, G Herbo is an artist from uh, Chicago. I love his music. You know, he the he has this, this mental health program called Swerving Through Success. It's a it has it incorporates tools to help black youth navigate uh, mental wellness. Um, and the program is aimed at connecting underserved black communities with resources like therapy sessions and hotlines, things that kind of help people work through their problems. And especially coming from an artist like G Herbo, who was, who was so open about some of the traumas he witnessed as a youth. This is such a beautiful thing just to see he's kind of uh, internalized those experiences and he's developing things to uh, prevent other people from having to, experience having to experience them. He's finding these very creative, really, uh, fascinating ways to like instill self-love in people and that's just a beautiful mm -hmm. thing to see from someone who experienced such a dire circumstance as a child i agree i think that's amazing because like i said people look up to rappers and basketball players in our communities they they mean a lot to us so when they make a stance on something or when they say something it has value to it so to have him as a prominent rapper in the chicago area talking about the importance of having a good health, mental health, taking care of yourself and taking care of self-care. I just think this conversation all about wellness just needs to continue. And I'm excited about it, to be honest. We I'm love that. Well, shout out G Herbo. G Herbo, I keep a Miro, Draco, <laughs> under the people. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about more uh, mental health, mental wellness coming up. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we are joined by founder of Melanated Women's Health, licensed therapist, Nicola Pierre-Smith. And that's that. Stay with us, folks. We're going to take a quick break, supported by HBO Max. In the spirit of the HBO original Between the World and Me special event, we wanted to highlight everyday influential Black voices sharing their thoughts on what it's like to survive and thrive as a Black American in today's world. Stick around for the end of this episode to hear from one of these voices, Mark Ferg, a musical artist who wrestled with societal conceptions of Black identity on his journey to self-realization. 
There's been countless times throughout my life when I was told I wasn't black enough. I never dwelled on the fact that my coworkers didn't look like me, as my relationships have never been defined by one skin color. It's sometimes difficult to grasp that I am the result of decisions made and not made over centuries. My encounters with racism were not always recognized initially. Being the primary breadwinner, black and female, new mother, I remember being excluded and at times left to fail. To grow your own food, to own your own land is powerful and a tribute to my ancestors. Joining us today is the founder of Melanated Women's Health, licensed therapist, Nicola Pierre-Smith. Let's welcome Nicola to the mic. Thank you for coming, Nicola. Thank you, thank yes, you, thank yes. you. Yes, yes. Giving snaps, giving snaps. How you doing? We got to ask our Yeah, how are you? How you doing? So first of all, thank you for asking because not many people check in, right? Like it goes to show that no one looks out for black folks like black folks. I really appreciate mm. you guys asking that question. You know, I'm doing well adjusting to work from home, providing therapy by video and like everyone else, just making modifications to my own self-care routine mm -hmm. to get through these trialing times. People tend to sideline their mental health needs in light of, you know, trying to put on a mask of being, you know, strong or, you know, manning up and all of these things that we hear, especially, you know, that are common in black and brown communities. Why do you think there's such a stigma, you know, around seeking therapy, especially in a time right now when we are clearly in crisis? Well, it's several different factors that's leading to the stigma. And if we start out by looking at the double stigma that globally people with a mental health issue, they're um, ostracized in society or viewed as inferior. And then when you add a race, you know, white supremacy, black folks and brown folks are viewed as inferior and when you bring the two together that's a double stigma so then we're essentially fighting against that and then historically there's mistrust in the healthcare mm -hmm. system there's a lack of accessibility there's no representation of you know if i did a google search because i've done it in my area just to see how i am popping up in the search results you're searching for a black therapist and not many um black images are showing mm. up and that's sending a signal that either no one is there to provide the service or it's a white person thing black people don't go to therapy these messages are reinforcing that stigma sure sure yeah that's a good point and something when I think about the black and brown community is we often hear people saying protect your mental health, you know, self-care, but protecting your mental health and therapy can be seen as a resource that is not accessible to many people who are black and brown or people who are impoverished or people who are queer. What do you recommend for those individuals to do who do not have accessibility to therapy or a great therapist? So, and that's a great question, especially the, um, 
intersectional conversation around someone's identity though they are resources that's available if you have a phone you're using it to like scroll social media to be connected use your phone to get connected to these resources that's free or even getting connected to apps like i talk about the shine app and that's i think the founders are actually black yeah shine is a great Mm -hmm. resource Mm. Tell us a little bit about Shine app, because I've never used it. Mm, Please. Yeah, so the Shine app, it provides different resources, whether it's meditation, whether it's little prompts to either like journal or self-reflect and giving yourself that moment. So yeah, you have your phone, you're loading it up with different things, load it up for something that will support your mental health. All right. I like that. I might download it right after this. Let me tell you, I've downloaded it and it has like the notifications that they give. It's just a really great reminder to just check in. And the fact that, you know, it is intentionally for black people is so important. Well, we know your work focuses on trauma. And this year, it seemed like the, the trauma has been coming from all sorts of directions, not just the coronavirus, but of course, the election kind of just the process has been very heavy. And so I'm wondering what your guidance is to people to remain involved in politics, because that's necessary for democracy, of course. But given how harrowing, you know, the buildup to this election was, how do you recommend these people go about, you know, remaining engaged and protecting their mental health as they do so? So in terms of engaging in the work, like, I don't need to tell the activists this. They know this. It's remembering their reason for starting. And then in terms of mental health, recognizing, because people talk a lot about interpersonal boundaries that's between people, but not so much is spoken about in terms of intrapersonal boundaries. What's the relationship with yourself? Mm. Are you being honest about your own emotional limits that you attended several protests, maybe you can tap out on the next one, do something else, your body is undergoing the work, and then reminding yourself that if you are saying you need to be at every protest, you need to be at every rally, when it's really injuring your mental health, you're internalizing racism that's saying that you're not enough, you're not doing enough, and that rest is unproductive when that's not the case. We, We have to talk about COVID. And as you know, COVID rates are increasing all over the country and politicians are talking about potentially enforcing lockdowns again. And I know that many people have suffered from loneliness and feel lonely during times because of quarantining. What do you recommend for individuals to do when they feel lonely due to forced lockdowns? So first thing is being honest with yourself and recognizing that you know, it's been months and we've lost community in a very like physical way and then um, connecting with folks. So being honest with yourself that things that were working at the beginning of COVID, it's not going to work right now as we're going into, I don't know, phase five of it or whatever you want to call it. So finding who are your safe people. It doesn't have to be a family member and it doesn't necessarily have to be a partner. It could be a great friend. It could be, um, you know, different like celebrities that you connect with. For me, it was the versus battles. I'm Jamaican. Mm. I love those. I'm like, I, you know, it's okay if I stay up late tonight. I'm just going to modify tomorrow in my work day Mm -hmm. because this is something that I want to connect with my community. So finding another way to connect after grief and loss. 
That's good. That mm-hmm. was a good one. Mm-hmm. So this year has been extremely difficult, especially for Black people. Black Lives Matter reached a higher height. Reckonings with racism happening on the streets, in the boardrooms, all of that. Can you talk to us about the link between racism and mental health and what are some of the ways that it can manifest into unhealthy conditions and how do you become aware of that? Well, to answer the question, let's give um, podcast land some information on what exactly is racism and what exactly, well, not racism, but what exactly is um, racial trauma that we're undergoing. And so trauma, sometimes it's confused as the event that's the trauma and that's not what it is. Trauma is a process. It's an emotional response to an event that was life-threatening or it caused some kind of danger to self or others. So it's these three different parts. Emotional response, event, and then safety that's compromised. So when we add racism into that, it's that it's related to race-based stress, oppression, discrimination that then creates this response to a potential threat. Like when you witness a life that's lost, no one is in your home in the moment beating you down, but you're feeling that response because it represents who you are. So in terms of the mental health component of that, when you witness that or you experience it at work or Karen in the neighborhood, Um, what happens is now you have hypervigilance, you're really watchful. If a therapist or a provider isn't competent in racial trauma, they'll view that as paranoia when it's really appropriate. Like you're hypervigilant, you're aware of your surroundings. You may have some irritability or some sadness or some anger. You may have flashbacks of memories to your own experiences with that, though, the thing that you witnessed, we can call any of the names for 2020, didn't happen to you. It's triggering memories of your own experience. And that's the response. That's the trauma. We've talked about the pandemic a great deal, and especially the isolation period. We have the holidays coming up. And a lot of people, in addition to wanting personally to see their families, they might be feeling some pressure from family members to reunite So how do you recommend people weigh that desire to reunite with family with the wants to protect them from this virus as well? Yeah, and you know, like, I recommend being honest with yourself about what are your needs and what are your family members' needs because each family system is unique. And if you're fortunate to have a great family that wants to stay connected, having some flexibility in terms of your options and you know, some people are old school. They may not believe in the using Zoom and doing the virtual things. Mm -hmm. So this is the time now back to your intrapersonal boundaries that setting those limits that you're not comfortable with that Mm -hmm. and using those I statements. I'm not comfortable because of X, Y, Z or this is what I have to offer. I would appreciate it if you could meet me halfway. However, if you can't, This is where I'm at. So this is a time when a lot of folks are experiencing seasonal depression, you know, going into, but we already have, you know, our regular depression and COVID depression. How do we cope ahead for the coming months? Making the time 
to keep up with the daylight that we have right now. So if you're typically waking up a little later and lounging before you start your day, maybe flipping it where you're able to get outside to get access to the sunlight that we do have. And again, like getting people more involved, trying to um, do the socially distanced walks if you weren't doing those before, because sunlight is one thing. When the snow hits, that's going to be another issue too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nicola, I know you have like one minute with us, so I'm counting down, but I got to ask this last <laughs> question. <laughs> I'm a Sagittarius. Okay. I'm very optimistic and I cannot wait for this pandemic to be controlled. What is one piece of advice, one quick piece of advice you can give all of us, something we all can do to improve our mental health today? That was a great question. <laughs> so right now, one piece of advice to improve our mental health is honesty with yourself about your needs. That was a good one. I love that. I like that one. I like that My fellow Jamaican sister, thank you so much for joining us today. It was an honor. You really did your thing. Nicola Pierre-Smith, much yes, appreciated. thank you. Thank you for having me. Show now. You know what time it is. It's time for the rap. <laughs> the rap. You like the build up? Like the build I up. feel it. I feel it. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. So this, I mean, of course, we got to talk about Meg the Stallion being named the GQ Rapper of the Year. First of all, look at GQ just handing out these titles. Like, who gave you <laughs> the right? But since you did, and since you just happened to get it correct this time, yeah. we're happy to discuss it. You know, we're yeah, happy to yeah, discuss yeah. it. Meg's been Meg's been thriving out here, man. I mean, ever since uh, it feels like uh, when she released Tina Snow, uh, what was that last year? Mm-hmm. She's been jumping off since then, and her career has really taken off, and it's taken so many different turns. But it's just so great to see her thriving. Uh, I won't even say in spite of all the circumstances. These are the circumstances created. She's she's winning right now. This is a, such a successful moment for her. So, what you think? What you 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 a Meg fan? I'm a Meg. Stan. She's of course you on the Bad Stan. Bitch playlist. And um, with that being okay. said, yeah. with that Simon says, um, put them legs on his head. Now he loves tall women. Yeah, you <laughs> love that. You but love with that, that. <laughs> when Tina Snow came out in 2018, and it's crazy that it's been basically, you know, a year and some change, or a year, almost going on two years, and this woman has just keep going, you know? And I don't know if it's just a Houston woman, because, you know, Beyonce is from Houston, Solange is from Houston. I don't know if just, like, women from Texas are made differently. But it's just inspiring to see the whirlwind of a career that she's had so far, despite challenges, despite being shot, despite losing her mother, who was a rapper also, her her best friend and her greatest Mm -hmm. inspiration. And beyond all of that, I don't know, Meg. She's not my homegirl, but she seems like a real ass chick. And I say all that to say, she has done a song with Cardi B. She has the City Girls on the album. She's done a song with Nicki. She did a song with um, Malibu Beyonce. Beyonce. She consistently is showing that women can come together. We can all win and eat at this table together and do so beautifully. So I'm a Meg stan. Hopefully she come on and that's that one day. I'm going to send that into the Yeah, energy, come into on the, the show, Meg. <laughs> no, I, and I love, I love too that she, like, She's a student of music, mm-hmm. you know, like she you can tell that she really puts time into her craft, the way she enunciates the words, the way she like it's just the total package. And I, I love it. The first song I heard her on was uh, 
she was rapping over the Still Tipping beat. You know that mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Houston song with the violins? That's a classic Houston song, and, like, she killed it. So from that moment, we've all been just, like, watching her thrive, and it's just so great to see her out here winning, you know? Keep it up hot, girl. Keep it up hot, girl. We love that. We love that. Now, of course, we got to talk about two... I be telling people to stay off Twitter, y'all, but they got this new feature <laughs> that's going to keep you on. You heard about Fleets, Shaquille? <laughs> I heard about Fleets. And if you, these uh, these social media companies don't know how to stay out of, stay in their lanes, right? Okay. I mean, You know, okay. <laughs> right. We got to let people know what they are. Fleets, everybody, are Twitter's new feature they announced this week uh, that will allow users, much like Instagram and Snapchat stories, to post uh, images and words that disappear after 24 hours so if you uh were living on twitter feeling encumbered by the fact that uh you could be held accountable for your words know that that will no longer that'll be a thing of the past everyone (laughs) it'll be a thing of the past accountability out the window (laughs) and i mean it's already giving instagram a run for its money because it's basically the same feature as instagram story but Twitter, I guess, people go to Twitter so much more for, I guess, sharing feelings and sharing things that they want to see erased or just randomly spewing things. So I guess it makes sense to have a fleeting or fleet, or, you know. Fleet. A fleet, a yeah. Fleet. And I will not learn the technology. I will not learn the tech <laughs> jargon. I'm going to call them floats or flots or whatever. I refuse to become a, a, a Twitter bot, as they say. <laughs> but but I, I saw someone tweet the other day saying Twitter is nothing but TikToks and Instagram is nothing but tweets. And I definitely agree with that. These social n- networking companies be eating each other. They be uh, stealing each other's ideas and all of that. I know Snapchat's, Snapchat's pissed right now. <laughs> I mean, speaking of social media and back on that whole Twitter lens, Michael B. Jordan recently lit Twitter the hell up because People Magazine named him the sexiest man alive. So people are going crazy on Twitter. Like, oh my God, Michael, oh my God. Good for you, Mike. Good for you, Mike. (laughs) People are like, this is a step in the right direction. Never. (laughs) (laughs) A step in the right. This isn't a subversive pick. Like, that. Michael B. Jordan is probably the first choice a lot of people would think of for like a sexiest man alive list. You know, just be, he's always in these discussions. This is a year of subversiveness, you know? This could have been a year they could have picked who's somebody they could have gone with, Shaquille, that would have that would have rocked the boat. I'm trying to, you know, Tyler Perry. That would have shit the table. Tyler Perry. Okay, okay. <laughs> he's a billionaire now. You you know, every billionaire is cute. And then remember he got the beard and then the lady started saying, is it fine now? So You've been posting thirst traps too, so he he's priming himself for it. I'm telling you, that would have rocked the boat because people are like, wait, he does Medea, so that's not too sexy because nobody want to think about Medea when they get in it popping. I mean, you never know. <laughs> I won't yuck anybody's yum. Tyler Perry would have shook the damn table. I know that for sure. I like that one. I like that one. Uh, who's my pick? Who's been having a good, a great year? Because somebody could say the baby have been having a good year, but he can't keep his hands off of folks. So, so. Uh, little, okay, little baby, right, little baby's baby, been having yeah. a good year, and he's unproblematic thus far. You know, that's a that would have been a truly subversive pick. Little baby be making the best country music out. 
He be making hybrid country slash rap music, and he's got a a, a protest anthem that came out this year that went gold. I might have gone platinum. That would have been the subversive pick, not Michael B. Jordan. He gonna win next year. He might win the year after that. I hear that, but you know, people on Twitter are saying that people got it right, but here is something that it, Lee Daniels got right. Lee Daniels is about to resurrect a classic, waiting to exhale. Okay, okay. I mean. I think every black mama had bought the album, said, I'm not going to cry no more. Sitting up <laughs> in my room, Brandy, Whitney Houston. Shoot. Filmed in Phoenix, Arizona. Shout out, Arizona, you know. <laughs> it's just a, it's a classic. And I'm, I'm nervous and I'm excited. One, I'm nervous because of the fact that who's going to like play Savannah? Who's going to be able to fill Whitney Houston shoes? Who's going to be Angela? I mean, are they making it a young girl? Like, what are they doing? That's what I'm saying. It's kind of like when they announced the remake for Set It Off, where I'm like excited because we all know the original, but I don't know if I trust that the new version is going to be made responsibly, you know? And some of these themes are kind of outmoded, so I'm going to see, I'm interested to see how they, uh, how they revamp them, you know? You don't know if the new version is going to set it off. I don't know if the new version is going to set it off. I'm so cool. Very well said. You know, I love that. I love that. But, I mean, as I think about that, I'm looking forward to it for sure. I mean, if if Lee Daniels is a genius, what he will do is tap on all the R&B greats of this generation. Give me Mary. Give me Beyonce. Give me Summer Walker. Give me SZA. And make a popping album. Make it hit. And people will have no choice. Jasmine Sullivan. Throw some Jasmine Sullivan Sullivan in there. Give me Lettucey on a track. Yes, exactly. Some Lettucey. That's how you know. Give me that. And I think people are going to have no choice but to rock with the album. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's some free game. Yeah. And he also should definitely add Rihanna on the album, too. And, you know, speaking of Rihanna, Rihanna, as we know, is a businesswoman, a mogul. She has Fenty. She has all of the music. She now has, you know, a Fenty mail line that I got to purchase some stuff from. No, we all want (laughs) I want some, too. And in that same vein, Pharrell is now launching a gender-neutral skincare line called Human Race. And, you know, I, what I will say before I talk about Human Race is I love the fact that all these celebrities are launching these gender-neutral things. You know, Ivy Park, gender-neutral. Fenty has now gender-neutral stuff. It's dope to see that. That's where we're moving towards. But how do you feel about Pharrell launching this new skincare line? I mean, he's capitalizing off of the fact that he doesn't age and that he has great skin, exactly. so why not? <laughs> People have been calling him a vampire for the last uh, 20 years, uh, saying that he doesn't age. I think this is just him capitalizing on that, and I'm all for it. You know, Pharrell is a is a timeless artist with a, a timeless face. So he, he, he getting to the bag with this one. And I'm not mad at it. I'm telling you. I mean, if folks, if y'all want to look at I don't play about my skin. I don't play about he my don't. skin. He don't. He don't. That skincare routine is under lock and key. So with that being said, if I ever got popping like Pharrell and somebody was like, Ron Blay, you want to create a Ron Blay skin line? I'd be like, hell yeah. Hey, he's speaking that into existence. Fenty, hit up Shaquille. We love it. Was he born with it? <laughs> so yeah, Pharrell's line comes out uh, just in time for the holidays and Shaquille's line's coming out shortly after that. So be on the lookout, no doubt. And that's that for this week, y'all. Keep it juicy, Jahan. <laughs> <laughs> This episode was supported by the HBO original special, Between the World and Me. 
premiering November 21st at 8 p.m. on HBO Max. For more, you can listen to their companion podcast wherever you get your podcast. And before you go, hear the rest of Mark Berg's inspirational story of becoming a Black musical artist in America. There's been countless times throughout my life when I was told I wasn't Black enough. As if there's a rule book to follow or boxes to check that make you undeniably Black in America. This left me feeling outcast for a large part of my life. On the other hand, I've always felt discomfort in white spaces as well. I would feel like I was their representative for all black people, or I would be made to feel like I was just one of the good ones. It seemed to me like I was a little too hood for the artsy kids, and just a little too artsy for the hood. I developed a love for music at a very young age. Music was everywhere. My father played the bass guitar and was an avid collector of different types of music. My mother, she introduced me to gospel by forcing me to join the youth choir at my church. My sister and older cousins introduced me to hip-hop. I always seemed to gravitate towards the more eccentric artists, those that were doing something fresh, new, and different. Artists that were bold in their statements, eclectic in fashion sense, and sometimes seemed like they were from another planet. These artists owned their identity, and their differences didn't make them any less black. It just added to the spectrum of what black culture actually is. It's ever-evolving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My feet are on the ground, thanks to Music helped me accept my own truth and find my own identity. While witnessing a global pandemic and worldwide social unrest, I decided that the most authentic way for me to contribute to the current state of the world is to reflect and document it through my art. So I created an album. It's called Planet Earth is a Ghetto, But I Still Love You. In making this album, I found that if you share your truth, you'll find that you're not as alone in this world as you may think. For more stories like this one, visit HuffPost.com. And that's that for this week. Thanks again to our guest, therapist Nicola Pierre-Smith, for talking to us about mental health throughout the storm that has been 2020. Mm-hmm. Our show is produced and edited by Izzy. First things first, I'll eat your brains. Then I'ma start rocking gold teeth with fangs. That's Nick Offenberg, Sarah Patterson, and Becca D. Gregorio. I'm Jahan Jones. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Jahan. I'm Taryn Finley. I'm at underscore Taryn It Up. And I'm Shaquille Romblay, and you can follow me at Romblay. We'll be back next week. Until then, you know what to do. Keep it juicy. Keep it juicy.